Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 2 episode 140 of this podcast. We are now moving into a new section for the Come Follow Me study this week. We are covering May the 18th to May the 24th which covers Mosiah chapters 25 to 28 and it's titled They Were Called the People of God. And it's interesting that we now have this uh, section of the Book of Mormon. It actually is the very centre of the book in terms of being halfway through the record that we have as the translated Book of Mormon. We are halfway through. And in the centre of this record, we have a very pivotal and uh, important moment in the history of the church uh, where Alma the Elder and his sons, uh, well, and his son have this experience uh, which changes, well, generations, as it were, if, for if Alma the Younger didn't have this experience, then things could have turned out very much differently. Um, we are considering this as well after many, many chapters of um, an experience of physical captivity. And this is, a, in every sense, a reflection of a spiritual captivity. We're going to look today at the section uh, which covers Mosiah chapter 26, uh, verses 1. 2.6, uh, which is titled, I am responsible for my own faith and testimony. So we're not going to jump ahead too much into the story. In fact, we're just going to stick to these six verses. And it's interesting that these six verses have been selected as a section to study because I think that they're very important uh, and something for us to consider. Um, in Mosiah uh, chapter 26, uh, verse 1, we read of a problem that is uh, occurring amongst the group of people that have now met together. In chapter 25, just a bit of background, we have now the people of King Limhi, the people of Alma. They have all met with the people of Zarahemla, uh, and they have all gathered together under one name as the Nephites. And uh, Alma the Elder has been authorised to, author to uh, organise the Church of God. But in verse 1 it says, And now it came to pass, there were many of the rising generation that could not understand the words of King Benjamin, being little children at the time he spake unto his people, and they did not believe the tradition of their fathers. Now, firstly, before we go any further with this, I want to point something out. There is obviously going to be some direction for parents here uh, in making sure that they raise their children in love and in righteousness, teaching the, the laws of God. Um, but I want to point out here is it doesn't say that the parents did not teach the children. It doesn't say that at all. It just says that those children didn't believe the traditions of their fathers. Now, we don't know to what extent or to what or to how little these parents um, taught their children the, the laws of God, but more importantly, helped them experience the, the love of God as they were growing up as well. Um, Robert D. Hill says this, quote, an equally important part of, of fulfilling our parental duty to God is teaching our children the gospel and preparing them to participate fully in the Saviour's restored church. Remember the lesson of King Benjamin's people. As a result of his teachings, many of the adults had a mighty change of heart. But then it says there were many of the rising generation that could not understand the words of King Benjamin. Um, the close quote. So I think... Again, you know, it is important that we teach our children um, the, the commandments. We teach our children how to experience the gospel. But equally, um, I think that we need to remember as well that um, these individuals, the rising generation, have agency. And the world that they are growing up in is a challenging one. Uh, and so as we apply this to, to our children today, let's, uh, let's remember, and with all our diligence and with the Spirit as our guide, uh, teach our children these principles and then pray and have hope that they will stay true and stay uh, faithful to the covenants and, and the things which they make 
so that they can keep the Spirit in their lives and keep the Lord's protection and guidance in their lives. For they may well choose not to. Um, but, uh, of course, this story gives a lot of hope for those children that do go astray. Um, in verse 4, um, it says this, And they would not be baptised, neither would they join the church. And they were a separate people as to their faith, and they remained so ever after, even in their carnal and sinful state, for they would not call upon the Lord their God. I mean, I can't. I'm very fortunate as a parent. I'm at the age where my children are, you know, young enough to to listen more to what we to what we ask them. I mean, at times I get we get frustrated because we think our children don't listen to us. But I know that you know, being seven and five years old, this is just the tip of an iceberg of of iceberg of what could come in teenage years. Um, but I guess this uh, is why you know this work that the book that I'm writing is so at the forefront of my mind. Uh, just to help our children experience the gospel in a way that it actually changes their lives and helps them to feel of the peace and joy that comes from the Spirit uh, and the love that comes from being a family and um, following those principles together is important. Uh, Henry B. Eyring uh, said this, quote, No charge in the kingdom is more important than to build faith in youth. Each child in each generation chooses faith or disbelief. Faith is not an inheritance. It is a choice. Those who believed King Benjamin learned that. Many of their children chose later not to believe. Teach doctrine and recount stories of faith and courage. I hope your students will remember the doctrine and the, and the stirring stories, but most of all, how I pray it could be all of your students will be more inclined to inquire of the Lord because of their experiences with you. Close quote. The fact is, is that we can teach and um, outline the principles and doctrines of the gospel all we want, but we need our children to experience them. It's interesting, in, in my book right now, uh, I've, I've written about um, what generations are. I've kind of um, considered the importance of listening to children and their, the importance of how active and um, sincere listening can have a big impact. And then obviously the need to have personal revelation in our lives and how we can help our children receive that. But then very, the, ne the very next thing I thought was that we need to help our children understand just how they experience the gospel. We need to move away from this tick box culture that is so prevalent in a lot of our minds. And that's through no fault of people who have taught us or who have taught beforehand. But that's just the way I guess sometimes we as humans go. We want something tangible. We want something measurable. And so we have, you know, this checklist, tick list. And it is obviously um relevant when it comes to things like temple recommend interviews and tithing settlements you know there are some things which naturally because the church is a church, is a church of order and is a an organization that it just needs to have some measurable things uh, but at times we then lose ourselves in that and forget that the church is simply there to help us change to be better to experience the atonement of jesus christ the ordinances of the gospel that have been restored in that church there's been a, a fantastic quote. Uh, I was One of the podcasts I listened to is called The Scripture Study Project, uh, and they shared a fantastic quote by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland in 1980 when he was speaking at BYU. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but he basically says that, you know, we, we make repentance far too difficult. We, we make it a checklist. We make it a process that you have to go through. And only you've, since once you've gone through that process, you can receive start to receive repentance. And that isn't the case, that the things that we do 
the things that we we should do and the things that we experience and do, such as, you know, giving retribution for the mistakes that we make, confessing things to our Heavenly Father, these come because we have repented, because we have changed. And um, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, I'll now paraphrase his quote, said something like, you know, the, one of the biggest things that we need to understand that will put a stop to Satan's misery over us is that, you know, repentance requires you just to simply say, I'll change and mean it and just and do it. And yes, of course, from that point forward, we need to put everything in place to make sure we have changed because that is important. We can't just say, I'll change and then never change for the rest of our life. But repentance is simply changing and, and trying to become better. Um, in verse six, it says this, for it came to pass that they, they did deceive many with their flattering words who were in the church and it caused them to commit many sins. And we see here that, you know, this group of people go forward and there's a real problem because they haven't received that testimony for themselves or all that faith. And I, I am strongly of the thought that we just need to help our children experience this, not just learn about it or even just understand it, but experience the atonement of Christ in their lives and the blessings that the gospel brings. So as we go through the story over the next few days, we should see a lot of that in the story of Alma the Younger. Thank you for listening today. I really appreciate it. If you have anything to share from what you've studied, please share it at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter. You can email session at gmail.com or join the Facebook group Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. Thank you for listening and until we meet again.